The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is to go on this town tonight. Hey, welcome to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. It is Friday morning. Phoenix, Arizona. Alex Clancy in studio. Kwame might be joining us a little later. Got a lot to talk about today. NBA heavy show once again. We are full throttle into the end of the first round of the NBA playoffs. We have three game sevens that will be occurring Saturday. And there's a chance that we'll have three game sevens occurring Sunday as well. This has been one of the most exciting NBA playoffs first rounds in a long time. The seedings don't really matter. It's turned more into like a, a hockey feel, Kev, than, than a basketball feel. Traditionally, the 1-8 matchups would be a sweep or somewhere close to it, but it's been close. It's been close. We have a Game 7 in the 1-8 uh, with Dallas and, and San Antonio in the West, and the Pacers winning 95-88 last night over the Hawks it yields a Game 7 on Saturday with them. Other scores from last night, the Thunder beat the Grizzly 104-84. I can't help but think that the headline of Kevin Durant being Mr. Unreliable in an Oklahoma City newspaper didn't uh, spark a fire under his keister. He had 36-10 last night. Still didn't shoot excellently from the field. I think he shot like 46-47%. By his standards, when he has big games, he usually shoots in the mid-high to 50s. But they take care of business on the road, which was a big win for them. Warriors beat the Clippers 100-99. to This was a four-point game with about three seconds left. Matt Barnes hits, hits a three at the buzzer to, to, to make it closer than it was. But the Warriors take care of business at home. Go back to L.A. on Saturday for the nightcap in another game seven. Tonight, three more games. Game sixes. Raptors-Nets. Raptors up 3-2 there after blowing a 26-point lead in Game 5. The Raptors held on Game 6 in Brooklyn. This will show a lot about the intestinal fortitude of the Raptors. I'll touch on that. Spurs and Mavericks, Game 6 in Dallas. Oh, that's right. It's a a, a 3-2 right now. Spurs, Mavericks. Mavericks need to win to survive to force a Game 7 on Sunday, potentially. Rockets, Trailblazers. Trailblazers lead the series 3-2 after the Rockets won Game 5. This is a, that's an intriguing series as well. I'll also talk about Donald Sterling spokespeople coming out saying that he's been battling prostate cancer. Uh, it's a touchy subject to talk about, especially with the timing of it after all that transpired with the tapes that were brought out by TMZ Sports and the aftermath that played out. Talk about the Lakers, the head coaching position, and um, if I have some time... 
I'll talk about Steph Curry as a player. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in the fourth segment if I have time. 888-346-9144 is the phone number. Call in. Let me know what you think. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm right. Just give us a call. At Clancy's Corner on Twitter. Follow Kwame at Kwame Lasseter. Follow Deborah at Deborah underscore Dubree on Twitter. Pacers 95-88 over the Hawks last night. This was a very close game throughout. Uh, the Pacers pulled away towards the end. I believe they were up three points, shooting two free throws with 25 seconds left. Paul George was at the line. Uh, you know, this, this showed that Indiana still has some fight in them. They outscored the Hawks by 10 in the fourth quarter, which allowed them to win by seven. The question really comes down to, if, my, if Indiana wins game seven at home, will people forget about this series? Because I guess winning a series is winning a series regardless of how you do it. I understand that Indiana will be a little bit more winded than they thought they would have been after this series, but maybe the confidence will come back. It's crazy to see a team have a catastrophic downturn towards the end of the regular season, and it bled into this first-round playoff series when they they were down 3-1, but they've won the last two games, and they're going back home for Game 7. So, again, I ask... Will this be forgotten if they win this series? And obviously in the annals of time, at the end of the playoffs, people aren't going to remember that this went to seven games, especially if Indiana makes Eastern Conference Finals. They're slated to play the Washington Wizards if they win. And the Washington Wizards are a team that kind of came out of nowhere. People have been watching them, but they haven't got a whole lot of run on national TV throughout the year. So with the East Coast biased, you know, uh, the East Coast knows about them. The West Coast didn't really have much to say, especially because of how much weaker the Eastern Conference was than the Western Conference in the regular season, I should say. But out of the gates, Washington looked great. They look athletic. They look like a tight-knit group. Acquiring Martian Gortat and having the Bradley Beal draft pick work out as highly as they drafted him is allowing the Wizards to shape a pretty formidable team. So Indiana say Indiana wins, and I did pick them to win this series, even though they were down 3-1. Actually, to be fair, I picked them when they were down 2-1. It's two completely different styles of basketball. And I, in my opinion, Indiana's style of basketball lends to be a little bit stronger in a playoff format because it's all about possession basketball and not so much about run and gun, which is what Washington is starting to become known for. Indiana's defense is something they pride themselves on. And John Wall isn't that efficient from the field. He is eons ahead of where he was when he came into the league. Bradley Beal, I truly believe that he could win one game for you in the playoffs alone. Because he's going to be hot one game. He's going to drop 28-30 points one game. But it's going to be very interesting to see a complete clash between playing styles. So what does Indiana need to do to beat Atlanta at home, Game 7, Saturday night? First of all, you need to contain Jeff Teague. He had 29 points last night, only 2 assists. So... If they can turn him into a scorer and not a facilitator, that would be a plus for them. Or 
you just try and shut him down completely and make everybody else beat you without him passing the ball. But if he gets 10 or 12, 15 assists and only has five points, that's equally as valuable to Atlanta as him having 29 and, 29 and 3, 29 and 4. So Indiana's going to have to determine what they want to do in an effort to win the series with regards to defending Jeff Teague. Paul Millsap, you don't need to run plays for him. He's an offensive rebounding machine. He had 18 boards last night. So he's, you know, the kind of guy that you can't really scheme against because he just he's an intangible guy. He can knock down the three. He kind of takes what is given to him by the defense. So regardless of what you give to him, he will utilize his space. And again, the offensive rebounding and putbacks, uh, he's so efficient around the basket, especially even at his size where he's undersized the majority of the time against his defender. So I don't really think they need to focus on him primarily. I just think that Jeff Teague, especially being a younger player in the league, you can get into his head a little bit easier and and trip him up with, with, with his own game plan if you focus on just shutting him down. Got to keep Kyle Korver from getting hot. Because that's an X factor that if Kyle Korver starts getting it going early, you might be in for a long night. You might be in for a double, uh, a loss. Because, again, you can't really... There's not really a, a complex scheme that you need to focus on with regards to Kyle Korver. You just can't let him get open. You can't let him go uh, come, off, come off a double pick and have a wide open three. And wide open for him is half a second. Half a second. He can go for 30 any given night, but if you play defense correctly, you should be able to hold him at bay. So those two things, I think, shutting down Jeff, che- Jeff Teague and making sure that Kyle Korver does not beat you are the two recipes for success with Indiana in Game 7 at home on Saturday. Man, if they lose, we could see Atlanta or Washington in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yuck. I don't know if Adam Silver would be so happy about that. I mean, I understand that this is a completely new brand of basketball that is being implemented in the NBA. The San Antonio Spurs brand of basketball, possession basketball, is is kind of waning from top to bottom in the NBA. I know you have teams in the Western Conference, Memphis, San Antonio, Indiana, and Miami to a certain extent, if they need to, with possession basketball in the playoffs, as opposed to running gun. And what I mean by possession basketball is half-court offense. Taking the full shot clock. Executing your game plan when you have the ball in your hands on your side of the court. And not just fast breaking. But Washington and say, if, if Brooklyn wins tonight, if, if Brooklyn and Miami play, Brooklyn's had Miami's number the whole year. I think they're 4-0 against Miami this year. So in essence, you could see Washington and Brooklyn in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think that I'd be more excited to see that, regardless of how crazy that sounds, than Indiana-Miami. Nobody wants to see Scratch. Nobody wants to see who's supposed to win, win. Especially because that's usually what happens in the NBA. 
when they jumped from a five-game first-round series to a seven-game first-round series, it took so much of the parity out of it. Because in a five-game series, a team can get hot for three games and win. But that fourth game, that fourth clinching game that you need to win in a best-of-seven series, again, it takes parity out of it. So usually the better team wins. The better team shines through. And for Washington and in Miami, they're both the better team. Those are the only two series out of eight that have been decided at this point. We could see six seven-game series in the first round. Three already that are going to be played on Saturday is more than any in NBA history, I believe, for a first-round series. And the chance of all three of the teams locking the, locking the series out tonight is minuscule. So we might be witnessing the best first round of any NBA playoffs in NBA history, which is pretty exciting. It's pretty exciting. 888-346-9144. Give me a call. Let me know what you think. Got to take a break. On the other side, I will talk Thunder's Grizzlies. The Thunder Grizzlies. I'll talk Warriors Clippers. And I'll preview the games that will be played tonight. Carmen Lester, Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio. I'll be right back. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Hi, I'm Joe Swedish, CEO of WellPoint. We proudly support the March of Dimes and all they do to reduce the rate of premature birth in the United States. Though premature births have recently declined, still half a million babies are born too soon each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs that help moms and their babies live healthier lives. Please visit MarchofDimes.com and join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Welcome back. Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy in studio, 888-346-9144. Thunders 104, Grizzlies 84. Thunder take care of business in Memphis last night to lock up the series, go back game seven in Oklahoma City Saturday night. Kevin Durant, 36-10. and 10. Good. The best player in the NBA this year, I'm talking about this year solely, finally had a Kevin Durant game. Russell Westbrook, 9 for 21. For 25 points. 25 and 9. We, we've talked about this on this show since my first show. This was the first topic we ever talked about was the playoff series two years ago. Geez, three years ago now. Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook being an issue. This was the first conversation I ever talked about on Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Russell Westbrook 
is an issue. And now it's going viral. Now every, I mean, I'm not saying, I, now everybody's talking about it. Everybody thought it before, but now everybody has the gusto to talk about it. Putting him on blast is something that is touchy because he is a top 10 player in the NBA numbers-wise. He's definitely a top 10 player in this league. But when you have the second best player on the same team, that's when things get hairy. And I said on the show uh, yesterday, I believe, when does Kevin Durant become accountable for not having the killer instinct? Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, just to name a few. They all had the instinct of, give me the ball and I will put my team on my back and lead us to victory. And everybody in the building knew who was getting the ball in a clutch situation. In Oklahoma City, we don't know who's getting the ball. If Russell Westbrook has the ball in his hands, he is taking the last shot. If Kevin Durant has the ball in his hands, he is taking the last shot. Unless they run a triple screen for Kevin Durant where he's catching the ball fading away from three, that's how he gets the ball off the, dri- off the pass. There needs to be a play run by Oklahoma City that has the ball in Kevin Durant's hands at the top of the key and then run a pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop situation from there. Run a double screen from there. Make the defense choose as opposed to just waiting for Kevin Durant to catch the ball and then they can swarm him. So we'll see what happens in Game 7 because Memphis didn't play very well. Mike Conley was a non-factor. He, he's been a huge factor. He, has a, he had a minus 21 plus minus ratio in this game. He's one of the more efficient players in the NBA. And when you, when you keep him to 5 and 6, you win. Shot 2 for 10 from the field at home in a, in a, in a series-clinching game. So I don't really know where his head was at. Maybe it was the defense of Oklahoma City. Maybe it was he just had an off game. But in Game 7, what Oklahoma City needs to do, first of all, defensive rebounding is so key, especially against the Grizzlies with Zach Randolph and Marcus All. Zach Randolph being a top six rebounder in the league. Maybe not numbers-wise, but he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. He uses his body so well because he's not the tallest guy. He can't jump. But he positions his body so well to gain a massive amount of rebounds, especially in big games. You can just see that he's a great rebounder. So Oklahoma City needs to rebound the ball, especially on the defensive end, better than they have this series. Marcus All, same thing. Zachary Randolph's a better rebounder than Marcus All, but Marcus All's bigger. And he can jump a little higher. He can at least dunk. I don't think Zach Randolph can dunk. 6'10. That's number one. Number two, Russell Westbrook has to be a point guard to a certain degree. To a certain degree. I understand that they lost game five when he had a triple-double. I think he had 31, 11, and 10 or something like that. If his assist numbers even flirt with 10 a game, they are so much better of a team because the ball is moving, because... Everybody's getting involved. 
It's not just a stagnant wait, dribble for 12 seconds, and take a 15-footer. 9 for 21 is not good. It's 37 and a... Nope. It's around 42%, I think. Yeesh. I think right around there. But when you take 21 shots, 42% is not good. Defensive rebounding and Russell Westbrook facilitating. Because they're a great free throw shooting team. They're kind of Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to three shooting the three. Kevin Durant might have the worst six-game stretch behind the line in his career at this point. He was 0 for 6 last night. 0 for 8 a couple games ago. I mean, it's like, th- this is unheard of. He shoots over 40% from the, from the three-point line. I think it's like 39%. Shoot, shot 87% from the free-throw line this year. I think he's at like 76% before last game from the line. Shot 14 of 15 last night, which is a Kevin Durant thing. He gets to the line, he makes his free throws, and that's how his numbers rise. That's how he scores a lot of points, because he gets to the line a lot, and he's an excellent free throw shooter. I don't know who I want to win Game 7. Because both storylines are so good. You have Memphis, who almost didn't make the playoffs. They made the playoffs on the last, or the second to last game of the year when they took care of business in Phoenix. And they beat Dallas to get the seven seed. Which, at that point, they didn't really know who they wanted to play. But it's working out at this point. Because they've started to figure out Oklahoma City. You just let Russell Westbrook shoot the ball and put Tony Allen on Kevin Durant, and there you go. And they'd play the winner of Clippers-Golden State, which, oh boy, Memphis could beat either the Clippers or Golden State. The same way they're doing it here. Slowing the game down, keeping the score in the low 90s, and just running half-court basketball. Clippers have trouble with that, so does Golden State. Personally, though, I want Oklahoma City to win, and I think they will. I think that Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook might take 50, 60 shots combined. 60 is a lot. Between 50 and 55 shots combined and just take care of business. Just outscore them, outscore Memphis to win. And I say that a lot, and what I mean is good offense beating good defense. They've got a scheme around Tony Allen offensively, and I'm not sure why they haven't yet. Scott Brooks seems to lack an ability to adapt. And I've said that a couple days ago. He's a good coach. I don't really know how much coaching he's doing, but he's a good coach because they have a good record and they're the number two seed in the in the West and they're in a position to go into the second round if they win. But they need they need to scheme around Tony Allen because Tony Allen is he's like the big brother to Kevin Durant who just beats him down, beats him down, beats him down, beats him down, and he he should get every single bit of the credit for Kevin Durant having issues in this series. Every bit. Warriors 100, Clippers 99. I'm happy the Warriors won. Uh, I mean, I understand that I'm a Laker fan, but that's not why. 
I just don't understand. The first thing that came to my mind is I don't understand why Blake Griffin fell so much. He's been in foul trouble seemingly all series. He fell out last night. He wasn't on the court in the, in the waning minutes. And this is something that you, I understand that comes with time, but people, players in the NBA are expected to mature faster now. Especially ones that come out of college right away. Okay, you come out of college, you're ready to be a man, then show us. Blake Griffin's been in the league enough years to know that he has to keep the hand, his hands to himself. Doesn't He shouldn't try to block every shot. Contesting shots and blocking shots could yield the same results. I mean, if you get in somebody's grill, put your hands up, it's difficult for them to make a basket. You don't need to block every shot. You don't need to jump through the roof every time. And, and again, he's been in the league long enough to know this. Because it's detrimental to your team if you're sitting on the bench. Steph Curry had an awful shooting game again. 9 of 24. But, you know, they took care of business, and Golden State is one of the toughest places to play in the NBA. I think they had a, what, yellow shirt night last night? It's cool. It's a pretty sweet color. Lightens up the room. Everybody goes nuts. Everybody, oh man, they love their Golden State Warriors. They are the new Sacramento Kings from the late 90s and early 2000s. Without the Cowbells. And the Maloof Brothers. Spreading was spread, uh, scoring was spread around Golden State last night. Iguodala had 15. You know, it, Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green had 14 and 14. Four assists, five steals. So, this kid, coming out of Michigan State, he dropped a little bit lower than people thought he was going to in the draft, and he's proving to be a Kawhi Leonard type. I know he plays shooting guard. He's just big. He's got like a Ron Artest body. Kawhi Leonard's a little bit thinner. Uh, He can jump higher. Uh, But, man, Draymond Green, he's shown a lot in this series. He's shown a lot. I mean, this... He's playing like he's he's been in the league six, seven, eight years. He's a very smart player. He's a very team-oriented player. You don't have to script anything for him. He just goes and plays, and he plays hard. He plays really, really hard. Makes his free throws. You know what more do you want? He's going to be a perfect complement to the team, that, to Golden State, when a lot of guys, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, David Lee, they're, they're kind of, they're space players. They're, none of them are going to run you over. They're going to take the, take the space given and utilize it and and burn you. Steph Curry doesn't need any space. He can jack it from anywhere. Klay Thompson, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, can shoot over a lot of shooting guards that are defending him. David Lee, undersized, power forward. He's got a great touch around the basket. Can't jump. He's, very, he's Zach Randolph without the extra 50 pounds. But Draymond Green's got some horns. So he's, he's fitting in very nicely with the Golden State Warriors team. Uh, game 7, you know, I would like to say that I think Golden State's going to win this game, but, but I can't. I can't say that. The Clippers are too good, top to bottom. Their, their bench is, they, ne- they don't lose anything with their bench. Jamal Crawford is their best pure scorer, and he comes off the bench. I think he won six-man of the year this year. He can give it to him every year. 
such a smart tactical move on his part. Going to a team, he, he used to, I, he has more four-point plays than any other player in history. I, I believe that that's correct. He's had a couple 50-point games. I mean, when he played in Golden State, when he played in New York, when he played in, the, in these, uh, I think, Chicago, he was just a scorer. I mean, he was a Ben Gordon. And then he goes to a team and it's like, yes, okay, I will take the sixth-man role. He's elongated his career by five years. And he still has the effectiveness that he had when he was jacking up all those shots when he was starting. He had 19 points in 25 minutes last night. 19 points, 25 minutes. Can't really beat that. Now, what does Golden State have to do to beat L.A. in L.A.? And I think it's very simple, personally. Um, Obviously, it's easier said than done. I'm going to tell you what it is on the other side of the break. Alex Clancy in studio. Cormac Lasseter, Sports Talk, VoiceAmerica.com. I'll be right back. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Welcome back, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk, 888-346-9144. Alex Clancy in studio. Been talking a lot of NBA, and we'll roll on through. Golden State 199 winners over Los Angeles Clippers going to Game 7, the nightcap, 7.30 p.m. Pacific in Los Angeles. Before the break, I said that I have the way that Golden State can take care of business against the Clippers, in L.A., midst all of this turmoil with the front office and Donald Sterling. 
make Chris Paul a scorer. And what I mean by that is the reason why the Clippers haven't made it out of the first round since Chris Paul's been there is because he feels like he has to do too much. And this whole series, Golden State has allowed him to do whatever he's wanted, which means throwing the ball in the air to DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin having a great series, uh, Jamal Crawford, as, as I previously mentioned, having a good series. Make Chris Paul score 40. Defend everybody. Play him one-on-one. Don't switch. Uh, pick and rolls. Double team down low, but always leave Chris Paul open. Make him score 45 points and keep everybody else stagnant. That's the best way to beat a team with a stud point guard is making him be their leading scorer. Allowing him to score a lot of points. And you you remember years back with Phoenix when, I can't remember who they were playing, but Steve Nash had two or three games in a row where he had over 40 points and the Suns lost two out of three. Because with great point guards who love to pass the ball, everybody else just stands around because they don't know what to do because they're not used to it. you got to keep them from getting fast break points. Golden State is an awful... Turnover-prone team, that's no, that, that's no uh, secret to anybody. So those, those are the three things. Number three, can't turn the ball over. 10, 12 turnovers max. Number two, that's kind of linked to number three. You got to keep them from, from hiking up the fast break points because that's where they shine. Nobody's denying that. They might be the best transition team in basketball. Especially because all you have to do is throw the ball up into the rafters. DeAndre Jordan go get it and throw it down. But number one, make Chris Paul a scorer. The less assists he gets, the better chance Golden State has of winning. I'm excited. That might be the one that I'm most excited about. Because Memphis, Oklahoma City, yes I like Oklahoma City to win, but I'd be happy either way. Indiana, Atlanta, I'd like to see Indiana to win because I want them to save some face, especially if anybody's going to contest with Miami in the East. Indiana's got to win. But either way, it'd be cool to see an 8-seed win. It'd be also cool to see Indiana pull it out after being down 3-1 when everybody wrote them off. But the Clippers and Golden State, yeah, that's the one I want to watch. That's definitely the one I want to watch. Segway into tonight. Three really good games on the docket as well. Raptors-Nets. And who would have thought that this would be a good series? Everybody was picking Chicago to beat Washington and Brooklyn to beat Toronto, and that was going to be it. Things have changed since. Things didn't necessarily transpire as people had thought, as all these analysts who everybody, I don't know if the, the picture that the, uh, the picture that went viral is, you know, 10 or, or 15, 18 analysts all picking Chicago to beat uh, Washington, and they were all wrong. Just kind of funny. Uh, same thing with the Raptors. You know, they're young, fast, athletic. Kyle Lowry, again, if he stays healthy, is a top 10 point guard in this league. He's more of a scoring point guard. But he can do a lot more things. He can get to the lane. DeMar DeRozan is showing that he deserves to be an all-star. Patrick Patterson is, is going to get himself a contract after, this, after these playoffs. Again, another, another team that didn't get, didn't get a lot of pub because they're not in the United States. 
They get NBA TV games once in a while, but not much. And then Brooklyn, Old Faithful. The fact that Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Mason Plumley, starting five, can't take care of business. It, there's so much experience on that side of the basketball. And I don't know. I mean, it's. I understand that it takes a while to gel as a team, and this is the first time that... You know, obviously, the KG, the first year the KG and Paul Pierce has been there, have been there. I mean, it took Miami some time, but they just did it on raw talent. They lost their the first final series to Dallas. I don't know if it takes more than, you know, what, what has it been, 80, 87 games at this point that they've played together, even though I know Paul Pierce and Garnett has, have set out and Darren Williams has set out. So I don't know if they're fully cohesive yet, if they fully trust each other. I know that Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce do, but there's a lot of other moving parts on a basketball team than just two guys that have played together for years and years. My thought is to go with Brooklyn at home. But if you see anything from the playoffs this year, it's unpredictable. It might be Toronto's time. I have a good friend that works for the Toronto uh, Raptors organization, and he's pumped. He's pumped, and I would be too. I'd be pumped that it's not negative 20 there anymore and about the basketball team, but he's probably pumped the other way around. I'm picking, I'm picking Brooklyn, though. I just uh, you can't go against experience. You just can't. Especially in a situation like this, in an elimination game at home for Brooklyn with the amount of experience that they have, I'm picking Brooklyn. Spurs, Mavericks. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I want the Spurs to win. I mean, that, that's that's just, and I think, and I think they will. If not tonight, then Sunday. I just think that they're too good. I mean, I think that top to bottom, they play much better defense. They don't have issues with streaky shooters, which is interesting. Danny Green isn't a shade of, of what he was last year in the finals, uh, not just yet at least. But you have Tim Duncan, who doesn't go through slumps. He takes he doesn't take a lot of shots each game consistently, but he doesn't go through slumps. Tony Parker is effective. You know he'll get 6, 8, 10 points in the paint, even if he shoots 4 for 14, which he never does. He's one of the most efficient point guards in the league still. Kawhi Leonard, young, strong, can jump, can shoot the three. Bellinelli, wild card. He could drop 25, 25 any given night. You know, Tiago Splitter just size down low that the Mavericks don't really have. On the other side, it's all streaks. It's all streaky guys. Monte Ellis can put up 50 tonight or can put up 12 on 4 for 18 shooting. Vince Carter, same way. Dirk, where's he been? He finally broke 20 points last game that they lost. 4 for 13, 5 for 19, 6 for 18. He's got to bring it. If they want to win, he's got to have he's got to have a vintage dirt game tonight. But again, I'm picking San Antonio if not tonight then Sunday just due to their consistency and lack of streaky play. And they play great defense.
Manu Ginobili. He's probably the streakiest of them all, but... I mean, they can win without him. They can win without him. Rockets, Trailblazers. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to ma- I'm trying to phrase this so it doesn't sound like I'm a Laker lover and a Dwight hater because of that. I've never liked Dwight Howard. I mean, I thought when, when he was on the Lakers, that's fine. You know, I mean, he's... I thought it was better to have him on the Lakers than any other team. Uh, it's just... He's so he thinks he's so much better than he is. And I can't wait. If they lose this game in the former Rose Garden, one of the toughest places to play still in the NBA. I mean, I, I would say I go out on a limb and just say Golden State in Oakland and the former Rose Garden in Portland are the two toughest places to play in the NBA. where the fans really get to you. I think so. That's my opinion, at least. The Trailblazers take care of business at home tonight. I wonder how long it's going to be before Dwight Howard starts blaming people. It's never his fault. And then what do you do? Okay, so hypothetically speaking, I'm picking Portland to win the game tonight. And move on to the second round. Lamarcus Aldridge isn't going to shoot, you know, three for thirteen or whatever he did for eight points. Four for four for thirteen last game. Eight points, five rebounds. Non-factor. He's due. He was due to have a slump. A slump game after how crazy he's been playing. So say Portland wins, take care of business. What does Houston do now? Because for the first couple games of these these, these series, this series, uh, James Harden didn't play so well, especially in in crunch time. So what do you do? Do you have to add another player now? Oh, we didn't we didn't make it out of the first round this time, so we need to add another player. There are talks about Carmelo Anthony going. Are you out of your mind? There's not even enough ball right now for Dwight Howard, James Harden, and Chandler Parsons. You think that Carmelo going there would be a good thing? That would be catastrophic. I mean, it'd be good for the rest of the league because then you could have two guys on the same team that people don't like. Oh, boy, they'd have to do a reality show because of that. They'd have to do a reality show if that happened. But what do you do if you're Houston? If you lose 4-2 in the first round when you're expected to make the the Western Conference Finals at least in Dwight Howard's first year, what do you do? Do you fire the coach because somebody's at fault? you got to do something. I just don't know what will go through Dwight Howard's mind if they lose tonight or in Game 7 on Sunday. And again, what I would do if I were Portland, especially at home, is make Dwight Howard beat you. Let him have 35-12. and 12. Let him have 28-15 and 15 and shut everybody else out. Make him shoot free throws. Bring guys off the bench and foul, 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 foul. Make him shoot 30 free throws tonight. Make him earn his paycheck like we all know he won't from the line. 
Carmen Lesser Sports Talk, Alex Clancy in studio. On the other side, I will talk about the new news that came out that Donald Sterling has been battling prostate cancer and maybe a little Steph Curry profile if I have time. VoiceAmerica.com. I'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Carmen Lester Sports Talk, VoiceAmerica.com, 888-346-9144. Alex Clancy in studio holding it down today. Final segment, we talked about NBA the whole show, so I apologize if you don't like basketball, but at this point it's the most exciting thing in sports. I guess you could say hockey, but I like to wait till the second round to watch hockey, Kevin. Um, the three game sevens from hockey, I'll give you a little little run here. Really exciting, you know? Uh, the Kings, Kings Sharks, seemingly every two years now, a team comes back from 3-0 to win a series. How does that happen? I mean, in with sports in general, how does that happen? How can you go on a four-game losing streak to to end your season? And the and the the common sentiment is, oh, if you get a hot goalie, you can win regardless of how many games you're down. That's fine. I think the Sharks scored many goals, many goals in the first three games, and then. They scored six in the last four games. So I guess, I guess that's fair for that series. Minnesota Wild go on the road, beat Colorado, I believe. Nah, game sevens are awesome. Playoff hockey is exciting. And traditionally, and I've said this before, the lack of parity in the NBA playoffs, I think would put them at the bottom of the excitement level excitement chart with regards to the four major sports. Football's first, and I think hockey and baseball are 2 and 2A, two and then basketball. That's what I think in a normal year. But this year, all the playoffs are good. Maybe Adam Silver didn't jump into as much of a, much of a, a pit as everybody thought he did in the beginning of the year. Because there's new rising stars in the NBA. And fading ones. So this is going to be an easy, interesting transition with the end of Kobe, Tim Duncan, Dirk, and then entering everybody else. John Wall, LaMarcus Aldridge, Damian Lillard. You know, these young guys, even Jeff Teague. I mean, look, they... He forced a game seven, leader of that team in Atlanta. So Portland tonight, 
picking Portland. So the three games tonight, Raptors, Nets, in Brooklyn, I'm picking the Nets. Spurs, Mavericks, in Dallas, I'm picking San Antonio to squeak squeak by. And the nightcap, Rockets, Trailblazers, in Portland, I am taking the Trailblazers to finish in six. Oh, boy. There's going to be trouble in Houston. Donald Sterling... We're going to be awaiting the next move for a while now with the vote by the owners. Needs 22 out of 29 votes to force him to sell his team. Then they'll have a say in who he sells his team to. If that vote passes, Donald Sterling will sue the NBA for making him sell the team. That could be in litigation for 20 years. That could be in litigation until Donald Sterling passes away. He's a lawyer by trade. He loves going to court. He knows his way around a courtroom. He knows how to use leverage. He knows the loopholes. He knows everything. He's the worst person to have to go against this with. I understand that Adam Silver is a lawyer as well, I believe. But owners-wise, it looks like they picked the wrong guy to mess with. I understand that this is all warranted. I understand what he did was wrong. That's not at all what I'm talking about here. I'm just saying that Donald Sterling has his guns loaded, and he's ready to go. So a story came out that he's been battling prostate cancer for a long while that uh, has not been reported until now. Very precarious time to bring it up, obviously. Um, Blake Griffin was quoted as saying, if it's true, you know, I'm truly sorry. I mean, it's... I just don't understand if he's trying to get some love back from people I mean cancer is a no joke thing and I'm not questioning for one second about if he has cancer or not I truly believe that he does so let's just separate that from this conversation but why now why now why come out now and I think the answer is obvious I mean that's almost a rhetorical question because the answer is so clear in my opinion but what do people use this information for? Feel compassion? To see a human element in a guy that otherwise has been a so-called racist robot? Money-hungry, stingy? I just don't know. I don't get it. The timing, I, and listen, he's obviously a genius. He turned $12 million, which is what he bought the Clippers for, into a $575 million franchise. So he's made a little bit of a profit there. I understand inflation has had something to do with it, but he's made a lot of money. And if there's a bidding war, if there's a bidding war for the Clippers, he can make a billion dollars. Because now this is a very, very prestigious ownership position that has opened. Who wouldn't want to dethrone the Lakers in their own city? Who wouldn't want to put their name on a franchise that have players like Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and down and down the list? Who wouldn't want to be able to spend the luxury tax to maybe make a dynasty out of the Clippers? People will be lining up and Donald Sterling will cash in. Uh, Donald uh, Sterling will cash in. 
but he's too proud. He's never sold anything in his entire life, is what I've, I've read about his real estate. He owns properties all over Los Angeles, one of the biggest real estate tycoons in L.A. He doesn't sell anything. So why would he start with probably his baby, probably the most important possession that he has, and sell that? Why, why, would, he, why would he go down taking it easy? Why would he lay down? He's going to court. He's going to do all these things to try and get his team back, which won't happen, I, I don't believe, but crazier things have happened. If the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. I mean, crazier things have happened in L.A. But back to the cancer thing, I, 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 I truly hope that you know he gets treatment. I mean, I feel like anybody that has a heartbeat would think that. This is just, it almost makes me angry that this is when it comes out. He's never cared about anybody else before, except for his billionaire club, his billionaire boy club. So why now? Why does he want compassion now? Why is this information pertinent now? It's not. Chris Paul shared the same sentiment as, as Blake Griffin did when interviewed about the topic. You know, I'm very sorry. I mean, I'm not sure what else you want to say here. I'm surprised Donald Sterling hasn't had, <laughs> hasn't had a hit put out on him yet. That was a joke. I, I, I don't mean that. But we'll see. We'll see other tricks he has up his sleeve, Donald Sterling is who I'm referring to in an effort to somehow get his team back after the leaked recordings that came out were some of the worst things that anybody's ever said. Although it was in the confines of his own home, I understand that, and that is probably going to be his leading witness, his leading argument when they go to court. Man. So he has 100 hours, over 100 hours of taped conversations between him and his friends, him and his um, little girl on the side because he was going to write his memoirs. Well, the memoirs on the, the, the chapter on the Clippers for your memoirs is being written for you right now, so you don't have to worry about that chapter. Your team stunk, it got good, you're a racist, and you have to sell your team. There you go. I could, I could write that. So now you can just write about how rich you are and how many properties you own and how many girlfriends you have on the side that your wife knows about. <laughs> Man, that's messed up. Just a messed up situation all around. I got to get out of here. Alex Clancy in studio. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Like the Facebook page, Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. See you guys Monday. for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.